Welcome to Healthy Churches ABNWT, a resource created by and for PAOC Alberta and Northwest Territories pastors and ministry leaders. The focus is on leadership development and congregational health. The goal is to help you reach more people. Visit abnwt.com for more information. Well, hey there, and welcome to the ABNWT podcast, where we are talking to members of our tribe, ministers with the POC in Alberta and Northwest Territories. And we have four other podcasts that we've done so far, and you can check them out on our website or even subscribe on iTunes. We are talking about healthy churches and healthy leaders. So please pass this on to your team and have them listen in as well. Joining us today is Jerry Johnson. Jerry has served in our region for 34 years as a youth pastor, church planter, Bible college president, instructor, associate pastor, and now as the director of Alongside Leading Better, a leadership development platform. We're talking about developing leaders in our churches and leadership pipelines today. And so I want to ask, why is it important to develop leaders in church? Well, you know, leadership is so critical. You're a leader. I'm a leader. We know lots of leaders. And yet in the local church, we see so little uh, specific leadership development uh, programs. And um, I, I just think it's really critical that we see this as an invitation for our people to think about the future of their church. You know, as we continue to create in our congregation a leadership culture, we clarify our leadership development processes so that we can attract and identify and train people with real leadership potential. And I think that's absolutely key in the revitalization yeah. of congregations in the context of our district and certainly belong yeah. beyond. Um, you know, the church is full of leaders. You know, we, we see them every time we come to church. There's entrepreneurs and managers and coaches and teachers and even parents who lead daily. So we're not short of leaders. Mm. But what we're short on is a leadership development process or a pipeline whereby we can take people and push them along through that process to become something certainly more than they've ever been in the past. So that's very intentional where we help established or emerging leaders at every level of ministry to assess and develop their Christian character and to acquire, to reinforce, to refine their ministry knowledge skills. Wow. So what, what drives that process? I think a couple of things. Number one is the mandate. We always have to go back to the Great Commission. Let's not forget that Jesus really commissioned us, really commanded us to get out there and to make disciples. That's the process. That's the heart of all that we do here. And the second motivation, or the second drive is, I think, motivations. Oh, yeah. um, first, um, people are motivated by vision. Aggressive vision puts the spotlight on leadership development as one of the primary means through which we accomplish our vision. And then secondly, people need to envision God using them in the context of some ministry. That's so critical. Uh, Many don't see themselves as leaders, but most want to grow spiritually and in their involvement in ministry. And so as we engage them in ministry, we watch them and we provide some sort of a system or process whereby we get them into what we call a pipeline and we push them along to become something more than they've ever been before. Wow. Okay, so so tell us about this process. And where do we start? How does it actually work? Well, 
in a way, it's simple. Perhaps another way, it's very complicated. Um, when we get into the heart of it, I, you know, I see three things in the process, three broad sort of building blocks. Number one, you've got to have a foundation. Secondly, you're going to have to have a structure on top of that foundation. And then thirdly, you're going to have to have systems or how we really make this operate in the context of the local church. So right. when, you, when you're thinking about foundations, you're talking about getting the concrete in the ground. It's yeah. got to be firm and secure. Um, that begins with seeing that leadership development in the local church is really, really important. Of course, Jesus modeled it. Uh, I think the quality, uh, quality leadership brings quality ministry in the church. Yeah. Leaders expand ministry by making more leaders. That's important. Yeah. Uh, leadership development shows how much we value people. And then, of course, the whole idea of godly protégés, like Timothy for Paul, uh, are a leader's legacy, where 2 Timothy 2 through, there was Paul, then Timothy, then faithful men, then others also, and we see the pipeline of leadership growing there. So I think the whole idea of empowerment is really critical here. Right. We, we don't talk a lot about empowerment these days, but empowerment is our intentional transfer of authority to an emerging leader within specified boundaries from an established leader who maintains responsibility for the ministry. Okay. Wow. We, we see that in Jesus' life. We see that in the life of the early church for Christ. Yeah. It was seekers to believers, believers to followers, followers to leaders. He would recruit and select and train and deploy. That's right, yeah. And the New Testament church took all that on. They recruited, they selected, they trained, they deployed. You see that right through the New Testament. And for us, that's the foundation. And I really would encourage pastors to get into the scriptures, uh, into the book of Acts, into the gospels, um, yeah. through Paul's teaching, to really come to grips and to understand uh, the foundation of what leadership development in a biblical context really are all about. Very cool. So what's after that then? Well, I would think once you've got the foundation in, yeah. um, and that's a lot of stuff in just a very few words, <laughs> you know, you, you go to a structure. Okay. Um, there's a framework on top of the foundation, and I, I see probably about three steps here. Number one is you have to have a definition of what leadership is all about. And, you know, we've all heard John Maxwell say, well, leadership Leadership is influence. influence. I mean, that's good. I like that. Um, But there's got to be something beyond that. There's got to be a working definition that we can get our minds and hearts around. You know, one of the best books I've read on leadership pipeline development is by uh, Melfers and Mancini titled Mm -hmm. Building Leaders, Blueprints for Developing Leadership at Every Level of Your Church. It's amazing. Hmm. They define leadership this way. A Christian leader is a servant who uses his or her credibility or character and capabilities to influence people in a particular context to pursue their God-given direction. Okay. Now, say that again one more time here because I I don't don't want people to miss that. There's six elements here. Okay. A Christian leader is, number one, a servant who uses his or her credibility, number two, and capabilities, spiritual gifts or whatever else, to influence, number four, people in a particular context, be it a local church or wherever, to pursue their God-given direction. Wow. So those six elements are really critical. And so as you're building your structure and your framework, you've got to understand very clearly what, in fact, leadership is all about. It is influence, yes, but I think it's much more than that. Wow. 
So, you know, once you define it, then you, you move to um, developing um, – the leadership pipeline levels, okay. and I know when I was on staff at Millwood's Assembly, we took considerable time. In fact, we spent two years with the Leadership Development Network in Dallas okay. um, working through all of this. And our levels um, uh, from one to five were willing, engaging, managing, catalyzing, and pioneering. Now, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> willing, willing is I can lead myself. Okay. That's entry level. Yeah. Engaging, I can lead others to some degree. Managing is I can lead leaders. See how we're going up here? Yeah. Uh, fifthly is catalyzing. Now I can lead a department of the church. And then pioneering is I can lead, I can lead the whole organization. I, I can lead the whole church. So I'm either a level one, two, three, four, or five leader. And the challenge for us in a church is to find the leaders, get them into some sort of a leadership development program whereby I can move from one to two to three. Now, I may hit my lid somewhere, but I may not. I may actually get up to a level five leader. So we define leadership. We decide what the levels of leadership should be, good understanding of that. And then I think the language and the imagery is really critical here, too. You know, some people call it a pathway, an Obila Alliance here in Edmonton does that, okay. or a journey. One church, call it their map program, missional adventure process, or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so I think the language and the imagery is really critical, important to get that right. Um, so you get quick recognition in the church on yeah. what you're doing here, and also then it helps you to just roll out the process. And it comes to the forefront. If I'm part of this church, this is the pathway that I have to be on, Yeah. right? yeah. Yeah. I don't have an option. <laughs> well, it becomes very much a part of the culture. Yeah. You can decide to be in or out, but it's a part of the culture, and more people increasingly are going to start to engage us. So, you know, you build your foundation, um, then you get your structure, you know, your, your framework, framework. Yeah. you define it, you create your levels, you decide what you're going to call it, you know, you get your language right. And then the third thing is systems, you know, and that's that's process. Now, right. how, how are we going to pull this off? Well, that's the, that's the big question yeah, that, that's mine <laughs> that, that's that's the big one so putting the process in motion takes a few things okay. you know when i was uh, at millwood's assembly you may recall in 2014 i think it was we did a team snapshot of ministry roles and numbers of volunteers in the church wow that was pretty fascinating um so all of the pastors engaged this okay. and together they discovered that there were 270 specific ministry roles in the church that were done by our volunteers the number of people involved in those ministry roles was 2458 now you have to think that some of those roles were were some of those people rather did one two three sometimes five roles so oh, wow. in the end it was about 1200 people who were engaging 270 in 270 ministry roles. So we, we, we distill all that down when we ask the pastors to rank those ministry roles with a leadership level with in those the pipeline. levels that you did in the framework, yeah. yeah. So level one, very entry, I can lead myself. 89 of the 270 ministry roles were there. Level two, I can lead others. There were 109 ministry roles those there. Those kinds of roles, yep. yeah. Level three, I can lead leaders. There were 64. Level four, I can lead a department. See how the ranks are getting thin now? Yeah. We had eight. Now, we're not talking about pastors. We're talking about people in the pew. Yeah. And then level five, we had zero. 
Yeah. So in the end, even with board members, we didn't think you needed to be, even be a level five leader to serve there. You might be a level three leader, hopefully a level four leader yeah. in many respects. But at any rate, we divided all that out. I think it was pretty revealing for us to see that most of our ministry roles were in a level one or level two capacity. Yeah. So you didn't have a lot of, have to have a lot of chutzpah to work there. And so the challenge now is to push people up the pipeline to be able to do more. Or even developing roles at the higher levels. Yes, exactly. For people to yeah. go to. And you know, people at work are doing it. They're doing it. But when yeah. it comes to the church, somehow they disengage. They don't see it as quite, quite the same thing. So once you get the snapshot, then what do you do? Okay. Then you have to start discovering where the new leaders are. That, okay. That's critical. So who's going into this pipeline? You know. So there's recruitment, which, as you know, is a never-ending process, right. inviting potential people in. And this is really important, Jeremiah. You recruit to vision um, because people are motivated by vision yeah. um, versus doers. Uh, the doers respond to the needs-based appeal. We need somebody to buy the hot dogs for the weenie roast on Friday night. Okay, I can do that, yeah. so there you go. The problem with recruiting doers, that the job gets done, but then the process stops, and there's always more recruiting required. Yeah. But when you recruit leaders to vision, these are the people who can go to 30,000 feet, they can see the broad context of what needs to be done, they can pull other people in. It's a totally different ballgame. Wow. So, wow. so and then what's really critical is that, I mean, you don't want this to be a program. Yeah, I guess there's lots of sort of administrative elements to put together here. But you got to create a culture where leadership is the norm and where you attract, identify, and train people who have leadership potential, pull them into your pipeline, and now you start pushing them up. It's so easy just to staff to needs. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the key things here that you're saying. It's easy to do, but we can't do that. No. We have no. got to staff division. We've got to yeah. create leaders and yeah. not just doers of yeah. exactly. filling tasks. Yeah. And a lot of those doers can become leaders, yeah. and a lot of them can't. So you have to figure out where people's lid are and push them along to their, their highest level of capacity. Wow. So you recruit, and then uh, I think you explore the people you've rec- recruited. So they get to know more about the church. You get to know more about them. And that takes you to, say, assessments that you do with people. We've done lots of that through the years, uh, helping potential leaders discern and affirm how God has uniquely designed them and wants to use them, you know, building from your strengths, the disc assessment, uh, you know, the shape gifts assessment, all these things. They're assessing themselves, and you're you're also being, I mean, you obviously get access to that too, but it's more for their own discovery process too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, discover new leaders, you recruit them, you explore with them, you assess them, and then then eventually you launch them into a level of leadership that's maybe a little beyond what their typical capacity has been. Okay. And so now the right person putting the right leader into the right place starts. And uh, so they're stretched a little bit. And then once they get there, you have to train them. Um, You know, so this is where you go back to those five levels of leadership and you start developing what I would call core competencies about how to grow in each one of those five levels. Okay, yeah. And, um, you know, that that's really, really critical. So, for instance, 
in the first level, are you uh, are you a willing leader? The first one, yeah, just leading yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, do you attend weekend services? Are you growing spiritually? Are you leading yourself? Do you are you a person that has potential? Well, that's pretty low bar, <laughs> you know. And and you go through all five levels and you define them. So when you get to the top level, level five leader, the pioneering leader, yeah. you would say, are you leading a ministry or system? Are you shaping and contextualizing culture and vision? That's pretty heavy duty. Right. Are you recruiting, developing leaders consistently yourself? That's what a level five leader does. And then what you do is you develop below that uh, a whole series of things that enable those levels of leaders to keep growing in the context but, of, of that leadership. But you're giving you a picture of what that level looks like. Even. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when, when I see the broad strokes of all this, I can say, I, I feel like I'm a level two right now, but I really, I think I'd like to be a level three. I think I have that capacity. Okay. So now you've identified some of the things that you think they need to do. And this is a very personal thing too. And that's where mentoring or coaching comes in, where you can take a person and say, look, here's what I see in your life. Right. And here's what I think you need to do, you know, to get to the next level. So, you know, you have recruited them, you have launched them, you train them. There's all kinds of different training things. This is a big area and we can only talk about a very few things yeah. today. But, you know, what types of training will you develop? Um, you know, is it learner-driven where they take their own responsibility to do stuff? Is it content-driven, very structured body of information that you develop? Is it mentor-driven, coach-driven, experience-driven? All, all those things. Yeah, yeah. And so who you are as a senior leader, for instance, will determine which direction you take. What are you comfortable with? You know, some people love to deliver all this stuff through processes like classes and small groups and one-on-one sessions others like the more sort of the event one-time event things like seminars conferences retreats or rallies they expose people to those kinds of things so you have to decide you know what are the venues what type of training do you need for your context what's going to work and then how are you going to deliver it is it classes maybe apprentice work or those kinds of things and then the final two steps are evaluation and then finally rewarding people consistently with timely thanks to make sure that people's hearts are full and they're encouraged as they make their way along. And one of the things is like, you know, yes, it's good to do the classes and the seminars and all that. But I think, I think most uh, leaders in churches really go with the mentorship model as as the method of training, right? So you're doing it alongside someone else. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about what is a good, model for mentorship? What does that look like? The one thing I would encourage people to explore more is what's been called the apprenticeship model. Okay. And okay. I think Nate and Sate here in our province are masters at this. Their whole educational system, for the most part, is predicated on apprenticeship. If you're an electrician, a carpenter, or whatever, you know, they've, they've got that whole system figured out. And I think there's a lot there of their ideas and apprenticeship that we could bring into the context of the local church very, very successfully. So we need to develop that culture where people consistently have an apprentice. Some people call it a partner. Yeah. You know, it's akin to a mentoring kind of relationship, but it's very hands-on. Someone said, delegate tasks and you'll create followers, delegate authority and you create leaders. So consistently, you're empowering people by giving them a little bit more and a little bit more, 
you consistently oversee what they do. You don't leave them on their own until they get to the point where they can they can sort of take off and fly. So part of developing an apprenticing culture is making sure that culture doesn't become oppressive or legalistic. Mm-hmm. Instead, we want to create a culture where it's okay to make mistakes. Right. And, and that's hard for some churches. You know, we're, we're, we're increasingly more comfortable with things that are very well scripted and very well planned. That's sort of a part of what much of our culture is all about. But, um, to prove new and upcoming leaders and to give people an opportunity to really find their leadership gifts, you have to create opportunities where they can stumble every once in a while and we can help them up and encourage them to just just keep on going. And do you think we should be doing apprenticeship at every level in the organization? I, I mean, that would be neat. I mean, why not? I mean, even in the context of a senior leader. Yeah, that's what I'm driving at. Maybe on staff who you could say, wow. You know, and in some situations, like ours at Millwood's Assembly, you had uh, uh, an existing staff member who eventually took the lead position. That's kind of a, that would be a beautiful sort of a situation where an apprenticeship could could work very well. So rather than just doing the work yourself, because that's the problem. Sometimes it's easier to get it done yourself. What do you say to that mentality? Well, I, I have a 16-year-old grandson who loves woodwork, and so we've been doing projects together. We just built a bench, and, you know, uh, a part of my challenge in all of this is just wanting to do too much and letting go to empower Lucas to do more. And, wow, I discovered, because he took a woodworking program at school, in high school, yeah. that he can measure, he can cut with a miter saw, he can pre-drill the holes, he can put the screw-ins. He, he, I mean, he can do pretty much everything. And so as I back off, I, you know, I'm very careful when he's around the saws and all that to make sure that he's safe. But I just let him move forward with that. And he made some mistakes. We've had to chuck some lumber away and start all over again. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, that's okay. And in the context of the local church, we do the same kinds of things. Trust people. Let them go forward. Let them fall a little bit. So we have to chuck some lumber. That'll be okay. We'll survive. We'll get them back on track and just, just keep them going again. Wow, that's great. So what would you say to leaders who who aren't currently developing other leaders for whatever reason? Maybe they're too busy. Maybe they haven't even thought about it until they're listening to it now. What would you say to them? Well, I, I would encourage you to search your heart. And for me, I think the most compelling question that every Christian leader needs to ask is simply this. What am I doing today that will guarantee my impact for Jesus Christ in the next generation? So important. Wow. So, you know, we have to begin with the end in mind. And when I finish well, I leave a legacy. So, you know, I'm Paul. I have a Timothy. Timothy has faithful followers. Yeah. Those faithful followers have others also, and pretty soon, wow, the pipeline just, it, it, it just flows. And, and um, we make a difference in the life of the leader, and we make a difference in the people that they influence around them. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you. So we're going to go to the lightning round, which we ask kind of the same three questions to all of our guests. And so I'm going to ask you, Jerry, uh, what book are you currently reading? Right now, I'm reading a great book given to me by one of my son-in-laws called The Captain Class, The Hidden Force That Creates the World's Greatest Teams. Uh, written by Sam Walker, sports editor for the Wall Street Journal. Amazing book. Uh, he analyzed the greatest sport teams of all times and those te- what those teams had in common. 
Okay. Um, so he looked at the best teams in sports history, uh, found eight criterias for them to qualify, and in the end he came up with 16 of the best teams of all time. Amazing. So what happened to make them great? I'll give you a little teaser. Yeah. Uh, not great coaching, not talent, not money, not tactics. All had in common one thing. You ready for it? Yeah. The beginning and the ending of their streak corresponded with the career of one player, and that player in every single case was the captain. <laughs> so senior pastors, listen up, baby. You're the captain. <laughs> wow. And, and in those 16 teams, the greatest of all time, there was one Canadian team, and uh, that was a hockey team. Can you guess which one it was? Uh, I want to say the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 1955 to 1960 Montreal Canadiens. Okay. When you look at their Stanley Cup wins, when you look at the, the, the records, it's it's unbelievable. So, so they're there. So for me, that's a great book. Chock full of good team building leadership stuff that I, I would highly recommend. Very cool. So what app or piece of technology are you using? <laughs> I mean, the first thing that came to my mind is uh, my Microsoft Surface Pro i5, which I'm looking at right now. <laughs> um, wow. I, it's my second one. Yeah. I love it. It's a laptop and a great tablet, ultralight, versatile, works well with a Surface Pen. Uh, I spent about 2000 bucks uh, for it, the docking station, surface mouths, and uh, I'm pretty happy about that. And it that. works well when you get to work at Starbucks, because I, oh, I know you like being there. It's my office, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, last question. What uh, what ministry or what church or what conference, whatever, uh, are you following right now to get some of your inspiration? You know, that's a very good question. I've thought a lot about this, and I have to come back to the Willow Creek Summit. Yeah. I mean, I, I have found consistently... That that summit, particularly Bill Hybel's teaching, has energized me. Um, and then, of course, if you go there, you get all the Lencioni stuff, the Jim's Collins stuff, and, all, and, and, and a host of others. I just thought, wow, they have hit the mark so many times, so consistently for me, yeah. that I would say Willow Creek uh, Summit would have to be the one. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining, Jerry. And thank you for joining us today. Again, you can visit abnwt.com to listen to more of these podcasts and share them with your team. And also, you can find some great resources for growing a healthy church. Until next time, thanks for joining us.